I'm Barbara Dundon, reporting at City Hall for the 20 by 70 podcast. We're here in the mayor's reception room, hearing the stories of first-time voters, recently naturalized citizens. It was such an amazing feeling. I got my naturalization on December 28th, 2015. Mayor Kenny has stories of his own. In the spring of 1976, 40 years ago, I voted in my first election. I'm 48 years old. I'm, eight, I'm 58 years old, sir. <laughs> I'm wishful thinking. Um, so in the 40 years that I've been voting, I have never missed an election. I voted once from a hospital bed after surgery, so I voted in 80 consecutive elections. This is the most, your first election is the most important election in this country's history. After the formal program, I spoke with several first-time voters. This is Maria from Venezuela. I'm really happy because in my country we have a really bad situation. And the main reason is because we are losing the democracy. Uh, that is really, really bad and I don't want that happen here. Uh, my name is Samuel Che. I have been in this country for six years. And as a new immigrant, I pay more attention to immigrant policy. And neither Democrats nor uh, Republican. I just want to vote for a candidate who really care about immigrants. The event was created by the Welcoming Center and the Committee of 70 as a celebration, complete with flamenco music and cervezas. But before sinking teeth into his chicken burrito, Councilman David O. couldn't help but wax philosophic. What kind of people are we? Are we the kind of people who close the door to uh, people in need? Uh, do we open our doors and our homes and our hearts? Like, who are we? And I guess we'll find out on November the 8th, because we all get to vote, right? <laughs> and then we'll see what kind of folks we are. Now let me hand it off to our host, Chris Satulo. Thanks, Barbara. So this is 20 by 70, the podcast for people who expect more from Philadelphia, and from America for that matter. I'm Chris Satulo, and I get to host this scrappy little experiment in civic exhortation and uplift. Well, we know that for many, maybe most of you, this has been a bruising, disillusioning election season. So that's why we feel pretty good about how we decided to open this pre-election episode with a moment that reminds us all why it's worth hanging in there on this democracy thing, why America is still a beacon to the world. But you cannot defend democracy without being capable of clear-eyed realism. So let's admit it. This year's national election has been an epical mess. And one of its latest outrages features Philadelphia as a central player. Recently, the Republican nominee speaking to a rally said this. But they even want to try and rig the election at the polling booths where so many cities are corrupt. And you see that. And voter fraud is all too common. And then they criticize us for saying that. And we have even Republicans. Oh, that's such a terrible thing to say. Well, take a look at Philadelphia, what's been going on. Take a look at Chicago. Take a look at St. Louis. Take a look at some of these cities where you see things happening that are horrendous. Yes, Donald Trump has called out our city as one of the hot molten cores of voter fraud. 
Now, it's been a part of the mission of the Committee of 70 for its 112 years of existence to combat election fraud and to protect the integrity of the ballot. And in the last year, it's been a focus of 70's work to call out the elected officials who run elections in Philadelphia, they're called the city commissioners, for taking a too lackadaisical approach to their jobs. So now, reporters across the nation have been calling David Thornburg head honcho of 70 for his views on Trump's claim. And guess what? He's sitting right here with me now. Hi, David. Hi, Chris. So let me ask, David, uh, what do you tell the clamoring media types when they ask whether voter fraud is rampant in our fair town? Well, first of all, as an editorial comment, I have never seen anything like this in my life. The, mm. the, the, this has been burning up my personal email box. Uh, uh, requests from reporters all over the place trying to track down to see if there's any validity to this story. Um, it does make me think that there's a certain um, anticipation, much like uh, sharks when they sense there's blood in the water, that uh, a lot of media folks would like, like nothing more than a good, juicy Florida 2000 story. That all having been said, my comment repeatedly is there's no basis in fact uh, in the claims that the Trump campaign is making. I think they're doing a gross disservice to the campaign and to democracy. It's starting to feel, given the way the polls are headed, that uh, Donald Trump seems intent on dragging the rest of us down with him. And I, th I'm, you know, Secretary Clinton said last night that uh, she in was in the third debate. In the yeah. third debate, that there's, she was horrified by this appalled, uh, and I have to say I share those sentiments. Well, what about the, the facts or the substance? This is kind of a tricky thing for you as the head of the Committee of 70 because right. there are problems with the conduct of elections in Philadelphia. Yep. They're just not these problems that are being alleged. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. It's not like we believe this is a, a well-functioning uh, election day uh, machine, and particularly the, the leadership, uh, we have a lot of questions about. But, uh, you know, I remind people that this is, a, this is a fragile system built from the ground up. It's literally thousands of nearly volunteers. It's kind of a chewing gum, string, and paper clip operation. People make errors. People make mistakes. People lose things. They copy numbers down wrong. They forget to do the procedure in the right order. That accounts, to my mind, for the vast majority of mistakes uh, that, that show up. Let me, let me give you a, a great story. A couple years ago, there was a, a call, frantic series of calls down to City Hall from a division up in northeast Philadelphia that was suggesting that the machines were broken, possible fraud, somebody jimmied with them, send people immediately. Sure, so I recall that, yeah. The police rush up there and the technicians and so forth. The reporters are hanging on every word. Well, here's what happened. Two voting machines were plugged into each other and neither one of them was plugged into the wall socket. So <laughs> not surprisingly, they didn't work. So that was human error. And I think there's, there's much more of that than the conspiracy theorists uh, really want to acknowledge. It reminds me of the acronym that uh, IT people used to use in the early days of, uh, you know, laptops and computers, you know, desktop computers being uh, used in the office, PIPCAC, problem is between chair and keyboard. <laughs> exactly. Precisely. Um, you know, the, the, the Trump folks never made any fact-based claims to substantiate this uh, conspiracy theory. So it's a little hard to respond to nothing with something, but, you know, that having been said, uh, you know, people say, well, there were these 
59 divisions in 2012 that returned no votes for Mitt Romney. My response to that is, have you been to those divisions? I mean, these are predominantly African-American, uh, overwhelmingly Democratic uh, registration edge, and so it should not come as a surprise that they return no votes. Remember a poll that came out uh, in uh, Pennsylvania in July that showed Donald Trump polling at 0% in the African-American community overall in Pennsylvania. So, yeah, that's sort of the, the, the 59 divisions. Another thing that strikes me in the national discussion is people have no idea what a Philadelphia division is and how small they actually yeah, are. Yeah, it's, it's the smallest unit of, uh, of voting in the city. So there's that one. That's the one partisan legend that just won't die yep. um, online, you know, in, in sort of conservative uh media circles. Yeah. The other one is about the new Black Panthers in 2008. Yeah, which the you two can, guys standing outside. Yeah, uh, you can you can go, uh, you know, treat yourself to a few minutes of YouTube uh, and, and watch the two Black Panthers in 2008. Uh, the new Black Panther Party, not mm -hmm. sure what the distinction is, but I guess it's an important distinction. Well, I um, guess they were their own party. And that's yeah. why they were their new Black they Panthers. They were there. They looked kind of odd and menacing and out of place, but but, but here again, you know, this was a, a predominantly uh, African-American division. So what they were doing there wasn't like they were intimidating Caucasian voters from coming to the polls. Maybe they thought, I don't know, maybe they thought they were there protecting the voters uh, who were showing up at the polls. And, you know, it turned out that the, the overwhelming majority of people in that polling place ended up voting for uh, Barack Obama. Again, not surprisingly. So... You know, if you watch that, the trail of that on the internet, it turns from two members of the New Black Party, New Black Panther Party, to literally divisions, mm -hmm. brigades, swarming polling right. places all over Pennsylvania. So, right, clogging Broad Street with exactly. their boots. Yeah. This is what happens on the internet. This is what happens on the internet. Right. So, I mean, there have been some occasions, David, though, where people have been convicted, even election judges have been convicted, and then you know, there was the famous second senatorial district thing that actually led a federal judge to overturn the election of the Democratic candidate and give uh, the seat to the Republican. I mean, that goes back a few years, but that was sort of absentee ballot. Yeah, call it fraud. It was it shenanigans. Was, it, with, no, yeah. I don't like the word. I yeah. don't like the word shenanigans. Yeah. It was fraud. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was couple things about that. A, it was 23 years ago. B, it involved uh, several hundred absentee ballots that were improperly uh, collected. C, the system worked. Word got out that this stuff had been going on. The opposing candidate sued. The judge overturned the elections. The good guys won. So Right, that's and that's a key point that I've heard you make and others make to carry out voter or election fraud, whether it's voter impersonation or some tampering with machines, would require a conspiracy so vast that it almost would have to be found out. Oh, yeah. I mean, our friend Tom Farrick ran out the possibilities in a recent column just sort of postulating, what if you paid a voter $20 to cast a fraudulent vote? By the way, remembering that $20 is sort of a, a reward for a felony charge, so I'm not sure I would take $20 for, uh, on that bet. And then you say, well, how many votes would have to be swung fraudulently for Mitt Romney to have carried Pennsylvania in 2012? The answer is about 150,000. So now you're paying $20 a piece to 150,000 voters, a total of $3 million. And is there any way in the world that you think that you could keep that quiet? 
virtually, not, not virtually impossible, impossible. So, you know, when you start working through a little bit of data and, and logic, uh, a lot of these things just fall apart. Right, so, and you've made this point before, but part of it is you have to think about scale, as you just mentioned. If you're going to do something, anything, um, illegal or fraudulent, it's more likely to be a, a, about a very small bore race where 10 votes in a division would make a difference, a, a ward leader yeah. race, a precinct committee person, conceivably, you know, a state representative race, but president... Yeah, I mean, petty fraud occurs, yeah. and it's the petty fraud that could conceivably swing one of those lower level races that you talked about. But the assertions of the Trump campaign suggest wholesale fraud, big time, at a certain scale, and that's just impossible. So here's one of the uh, ironies that I don't want to let pass about the fact that your phone lines and your email box and your texts have been blowing up with people asking you to comment about whether elections have integrity in Philadelphia. Isn't there somebody else who should have been making that case and reassuring people that the election was going to Funny you should mention that, because it is the city commissioners, particularly the AWOL absent chair of the city commissioners, Anthony Clark. This should be the time when they stand up in concert and say to the people of Philadelphia and Pennsylvania and to the rest of the country, we got this one. And it's been kind of quiet. So, David, you've said this in a number of ways, but I want to just sort of end by nailing this um, in a distinct statement. I'm a voter in Philadelphia. I'm a voter anywhere in Pennsylvania. And I've been given reason to worry by the statements of the Republican nominee uh, that there's something fishy going on in Philadelphia that might counter or in some way offset or invalidate my vote. What do you have to say to that voter? Well, um, you should be uh, thoroughly and completely confident in the basic integrity of the system. Having said that, like the folks at Amtrak remind us, if you see something, you've got to say something. Because uh, there are things that go wrong. There is occasionally, rarely, petty fraud. Um, and you've got to say something. That's how this system works. Uh, it works uh, from, from the bottom up, uh, not from the top down. We've um, uh, partnered with uh, probably the most venerable, long-standing voter protection outfit in the country uh, called the Lawyers Committee on Civil Rights. It was founded in the South in the 1960s to mm -hmm. protect voter rights. Uh, and just to uh, put it out there, their national hotline is 866-OUR-VOTE. Uh, That's uh, one stop uh, of defense uh, that, that voters can take advantage of. Uh, on election day and thereabouts. So uh, 866 our vote is uh, the go-to place if you have concerns. 866 our vote. I want to underline that in, in some elections past, uh, Committee of 70 has run a hotline you know, that people called, but there's not a separate hotline for 70 this year. This, you're working with them and that's where people should Yeah, start. our determination is, particularly in an election of this scale and this import, we needed to roll in and, and invite in the, the professionals uh, who do this all the time, been doing this for, for 50 years. So that's why our partnership with the folks uh, at the Lawyers Committee. Okay, for those of us with short attention spans, David, that number one more time. <laughs> is this a pledge drive? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I have deep trading in giving the phone number every 30 it's seconds. 866-OUR-VOTE is the, uh, the number to call if you have any concerns on election day about uh, what's going on at the polls. Okay, that's David Thornburg, President and CEO of the Committee of 70. Thank you, David. Thank you.
Okay, we hope we have reassured you that your vote on November 8th will indeed be counted and that it won't be countered by a Night of the Living Dead-like legion of ghost voters. That still leaves the question of whom do you want to vote for? Not just for president, but for the seats in Congress, the U.S. Senate, and the state legislatures that will be up for grabs this time around. Are you confused by the welter of races, the array of candidates? Fear not, digital technology is here to lend a hand. Apps aren't just good for ordering up Ubers and pizzas, they can also help you prepare to vote. This summer, 70 co-sponsored a civic tech fair during the Democratic National Convention. More than a dozen organizations that have created some kind of digital aid to voting showed up to show off what they had. We reported on all that in episode 5 of 20 by 70. Like all of our episodes, you can check that out at your convenience on iTunes and SoundCloud. Afterward, we here at 20 by 70 thought, wouldn't it be helpful if we tested out a bunch of these election apps and let you all know which ones seem most useful and user-friendly? So we asked our intrepid intern, Tynesha Harden of UPenn, to give a few of these apps a whirl and give us her impressions. She joins us now. Welcome, Ty. Thank you. Thanks well, for having me. First, Ty, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm currently a graduate student at the University of Pennsylvania. I'm receiving my uh, master's in public administration from the Fells Institute of Government. Um, before that, I was in Columbus, Ohio, which I call home, and I was uh, the director of communications for Mayor Michael Coleman. Great, and uh, we're thrilled that you're here with us today. So uh, there were a ton of different apps we could look at. We had to narrow the field down a bit, and we narrowed it down to six. Which six did you look at, Ty? So I took a look at Vote 411, Ballot Ready, CrowdPack, Voter Guru, um, the Voter app, and then also Google has a new capability as well. Okay, so out of those six, which one did you like best? So I'll tell you my top two. Okay. Um, my favorite was definitely the Voter app. Um, I thought it was very easy to sort of swipe through all of the selections. The only issue with that particular app is that it sort of only gave me the presidential candidates and also the Senate candidates, and I'd really like to see sort of the local races in there as well. The other app that I ranked pretty high was Vote411. This was actually a website. This one is a part of a project with the League of Women Voters, and I ranked it so high because I thought it gave you sort of all the information you would need as you're going in to vote. So you can look for candidates in all eight races that are available in Philadelphia. You can also look and see your voter registration deadline, learn how to apply for an absentee ballot, and it also gives you lots of detailed information about each of the candidates. So you get their bio, their stances on different issues, and you can sort of get all of that right in one. So let's go back to Voter for a minute. Now, Voter sure. has kind of a, a, a catchy motto, although it gives me a little bit of pause as a as a uh, aging boomer. But it says it's like Tinder for voting. So what does that mean? So if you're familiar with Tinder, it's sort of a dating app, and basically I would like to just jump in and uh, reassure my wife that I am not <laughs> in any way, shape, or form familiar with Tinder. But go ahead, Ty. Of course, once you get on Tinder, you sort of swipe left or swipe right on uh, the different people that come up. So with the voter app, you swipe left on s or right on certain issues. So you swipe left if you disagree, or you swipe right if you agree. So it'll ask you questions. Would you like to abolish the Second Amendment? So you'd swipe left or right, and you get a series of questions like that. So for the first level, there's about five questions. It takes less than a minute to go through each one. And once you finish, you get a list of the candidates that you match with. So you get your candidate for president, you get your Senate candidate, and then you also get an influencer. So these are usually media personalities that your views sort of match with theirs. 
Okay, so you found that helpful, at least for those high-level races it had. Definitely. Now, the other one, vote 411, had more detail, went lower down in the ballot? Yes, this one covered all of the races, so it covered not only the presidential and the Senate races, but also the U.S. House races, the local Senate and House races. It actually even put some information on there about the uh, ballot question that's going to be coming up in Philadelphia, so I thought that was really important because a lot of times during these elections, people kind of know the major candidates that you see all the time, but as you get further down ballot, you don't get all of that information. So Ty, were there any other features on 411 that you really liked? Sure. One thing I really liked was that you could connect the 411 website with your social media profile. So for example, I could link the website with my Facebook profile, select the candidates that I'm interested in, and sort of create a sample ballot that I can share with my friends on social media so they can see what I'm interested in, what candidates and issues are important to me. That's great, Tina. It strikes me that it's almost like the modern digital social media version of the sample ballot or the palm card that's been such a fixture of Philadelphia elections for a long time. Now we're not going to go through all the other apps in detail, but any other features or anything particularly kludgy that you'd like to steer people away from? Another app that sort of stood out to me was the CrowdPack app. That one was very unique in that it focused solely on donorship and how uh, candidates were fundraising. So this one was also in that you would sort of answer questions, you'd be matched with a candidate based on your answers to the questions, and then it gives you information about who's donated to that candidate's campaign, and it also gives you the option to donate to the campaign right from the site directly. So I thought that was pretty unique as well. Right. By the way, CrowdPack was one of the winners of our pitch contest during the summer of American Experiments at the University City Science Center. So, and this is not a hypothetical, let's just say I'm dumb technologically, but this sounds good. I'd like to have this kind of aid running up to the election. How do I get these things? A majority of the sites you sort of, you just go to the website, they're pretty simple. You enter your information, so for example, on Ballot Ready or CrowdPack, you sort of take the little quiz immediately, and then you do have to either link to your Facebook profile or just enter your email address, and then it gives you your results. Some of the other sites like uh, Vote411 were a little more simple. You just put in your address, and then you can easily click through everything from there. It's labeled very well for what information you're looking for in particular. And if I want a crutch when I'm going to the polls, there's smartphone app versions of these things as well. I can download it. Yes, not for all of them. So Voter is strictly an app. CrowdPack has an app. I don't think it has all of the features ready just yet, but a lot of them, keep. they say that they're coming online. And then Ballot Ready does not have an app yet. All of the websites that you can go to are mobile friendly, so you can use your smartphone to access the quizzes and the information to do your matching. And Voter actually has an app that you can download on your smartphone. Okay, great. Uh, Tanisha Harden, great job at looking at all this for us and explaining uh, how these things might help us be smarter voters on Election Day. Thanks. Of course. Thank you. So that's it for this, our special pre-election episode of 20 by 70, the podcast for people who expect more from Philly. So if you noticed at any point during this episode that the audio quality was less than our usual pristine standard, just a quick explanation, we're not doing this in studio today. We're doing it in the offices of the Community 70 on South Broad Street in sight of City Hall, because that's where we decided to do it this time. And we're also 
Not with the services of our absolutely fabulous regular producer, Sophie Reed, who's out scooting about the country helping the BBC cover the election. So, thanks for this podcast. Go this time around to the New American Citizens who let us listen in on their special moment, and to the Knight Foundation, which supports the Committee of 70's First Vote Initiative. And thanks also to the newest member of our podcast team, Barbara Dundon, who gave us great and timely assistance while Sophie Reed was off covering the election. Thanks also to our intern, Tynesha Harden, for trying all those election apps for us and sharing her observations. So that's it until after the election. You know what's coming next from my mouth. On November 8th, no matter whether it feels like a summer day or it's pouring rain, whether your aching body feels great or a little off, whether work that day was easy or rough, whether traffic is smooth or tough, whether you feel fired up or dismayed by this election, you have a job to do, a sacred duty. So don't shirk it, vote. Just once, of course, but vote. We'll see you on the other side of Election Day. Until then, expect more, Philadelphia.